channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Bear SAGE Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And Ed, what a week. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired, Ron. <laughs> I bet. You, uh, you, did, you did a lot of talking and a lot of interviews and just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I may free ride off you the entire show. No, I doubt that. But th- that, that, folks, we were in New Orleans at Sage Summit, and we're going to talk a little bit about it and give you some some of the highlights. But what, one highlight for me, Ed, was just doing the radio show, this one live at the event. Oh yeah, it was just, it was just great. It was great to, and I you know first time for me meeting all the guys from Voice America, so that that made it an extra bonus on that aspect of it. But I, I will say this: I've had a chance to listen to. The first show, the one we did on Tuesday, and man, was I amped up on coffee and, and, and adrenaline. Holy cow. Well, you have to be. I mean, that's your Super Bowl, man. You, you have, you're on 24-7 in that week. That's why you're so wiped out, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, if I, and, and I, it was, I, I lost count of saying the word fantastic at 17. So I've got to, we'll rein that in for next year. No, but you know, and not only was it exciting to have our executive producer right there with us, uh, Robert Cellino, and the engineer Ryan, but we also got to spend some time with uh, Jeff Spinard, the the founder of uh, mm-hmm. Voice America, and 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 we got to interview him last on on yesterday's show, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was the perfect wrap up, the perfect end to the to the to our week there. So good, good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you did something like six or seven sessions, and unfortunately, I only got to like two or three of them, but uh, what were some of the highlights for, for you in yeah, doing no, all those different sessions? It was, it's, it was, it was six, six sessions that, that I was the, the, let's call it the featured conversationalist, you know, lead, leading, the, leading the conversation. Then, then I also had one where I was the moderator of a panel, and then, of course, the, our three radio shows, too, but... Uh, you know the, the the sessions I think really went well. I think that 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 we did a, a fantastic job. There, see, there's the fantastic. I can't can't get can't stop it. We right. did a great job uh, consolidating everything and having I think fewer sessions this year than we have in the past. And everything was on the show floor this time, which was really different. And previously, we we've had theater style conferences where you and in fact I had one theater style session last year but this year 
everything was on in the trade show. It was it, it's it's just a, the wildest thing to to do sessions that way and have people walking by and listening and saying, "Hey, yeah, that's interesting." And yeah, there is sometimes when you're competing with other speakers and you feel a bit like a carnival barker, but for for the most part, I I really liked the energy of being in the in the in the larger space overall. But then the you still had the places where the conversation was more intimate, and you were having you know fifty or a hundred or one hundred and fifty people that you were talking to. It was really cool, right? I think the I do think having the uh, speaker and the stages right there and on the exhibitor floor works really well. It's a good uh, I think it's a good. Uh, customer experience because the the acoustics are pretty nice. There's some ambient noise if you're up on the stage talking, but you can deal with that. But I did have one issue, Ed, the stage behind me. Mm-hmm. Every time the gal clicked her PowerPoint, mine went off. <laughs> <laughs> so mine kept forwarding. <laughs> it took them a day to figure it out, but they finally figured out that was happening. <laughs> oh, wow. But uh, the other thing that I thought, and I know the New Orleans Convention Center is enormous, and it's just a massive facility, and you guys filled it up, but it, it just didn't feel crowded. You know, there was a lot of open space and a lot of big walkways, and you could easily run into people and see people, and it was kind of like being in a Nordstrom that way. You know, even though there were seven or 8,000 people in there, it just didn't feel packed. No. No, that it was a really nice layout. Great job by the by the our events team and and our outside vendor in in making that happen. I thought it was it was just a really good vibe, a really good feel. Right. Did you have any specific takeaways? I mean, I know even when I was with you doing some book signings, people were coming up to you and saying, you know, giving you compliments about what they got out of your sessions and the thought provoking ideas. And was there anything that really struck you from any of the sessions, the keynotes? Well, what from the keynotes themselves, or for, yeah, yeah, or just, and and the sessions that you did, you know, based on feedback or right, right. Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the keynotes. I, I thought with the keynotes were also conversations, and and if anybody's interested in going back and listening to the show we did recorded on Thursday, I don't think it's been posted yet, but we interviewed our global VP of marketing, uh, Gaby Bucko, who. Um, was in charge of this conference. It's her team that that puts this on, and she's a big believer in this conversation type setting. So the even the the, the keynotes where we had Colin Powell and Deepak Chopra, it it wasn't them coming giving their traditional, you know, twenty to thirty minute keynote. It was was them being interviewed, and in their case, it was by Stephen Kelly, who is our CEO. So it, it even that had, I thought, a different feel, sure. right? Be- because it, it wasn't just you know blah 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 keynote. It was interaction back and forth, and then they they got to be fast friends. In fact, there was one of one of the most tweeted, I think, pictures was a picture of the two of them embracing after the session. That <laughs> was oh wow. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Um, and then you know we had some some really good and fun, fun uh, featured conversations on the second and third day as well. And I know I'm going to forget some of them, but uh, actress uh, Jane Seymour uh, w- was one. Um, uh, a, a Baroness uh, Julie, and I can't think of her last name, but she was the owner of a of a football club over in uh, in England. Uh, just you know, great interactive session. We had the founder of. Uh, YouTube, uh, Chad Chad Hurley was was interviewed by uh, Jody Euchre, who's the interim vi- president of Sage. 
And then uh, the the panel yesterday, you know, they just kept getting better. You know, Matthew uh, Weiner from the creator of Mad Men, (laughs) interacting with uh, Trevor Noah, who's the incoming host of The Daily Show. Right. As well as um, Tony Hawk, you know, the the great skateboarder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were just some really great moments with them. You know, they they each got a chance to ask questions of each other. And one one of the great ones, somebody, somebody, I forget who, it must have been. Matthew uh, Weiner asked, asked Tony Hawk, so d- does anything scare you about your fans, especially the older ones? <laughs> he said, yes. Um, I'm sometimes worried that they, you know, that, they're, that, they're, that they might hurt themselves skateboarding still, that they're that, that, they're that intense. And he even said that, I, that maybe they should find something else other than skateboarding to occupy themselves. I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and then as for the sessions, you know, I, I, and I'm speaking for my sessions personally, I, of course, l- love the material that I present, right? So that's, that's always helpful. And what I, what I am constantly reminded of is how uh, neat it is to talk to people about some of this stuff that we talk about here on the Soul of Enterprise, how when, when we talk about when I do when I do a seven uh, or a forty five minute session on asking effective questions, people come up to me and say, "I've never really thought about it in that light," and you you've changed the way I think about just any human interaction. And I'm gonna gonna get better. You know, I, they have now goals to get better at asking questions. Right, right. That's the session I couldn't come to, unfortunately, because I was, I think, on the radio show when you were doing yes, that yes, one. Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I did attend a couple of your other sessions on uh, healing leadership. Uh, some of the, oh my gosh, that, that material that was the, so tiring. I, yeah, I can imagine. And, and your measure of what matters, I thought, was excellent, yeah, too. My take on your, your material, which is always right. good. <laughs> which is really neat. And, and it's just great because I know you constantly are tweaking this material and, and sure. you know, uh, coming up with new stories or maybe better analogies. And it's just really interesting to see what resonates with people and, 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 and just the stickiness of the ideas. Yes. You know, the fact that people will come up to you afterwards and go, that was a great point, you know, and give you a sticky idea that they remember. And it uh, feels really good. It sure does. What about you, Ron? You had two sessions, right? Yeah, I did uh, Homer Spock and uh, Mr. Spock and Homer Simpson. So the two sides of human behavior, you know, the whole rationality and versus irrationality debate. And, and people mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. And, and of course, what they kind of glom onto from that is is the pricing you know, the, because of the framing and the anchoring, it's just one of the examples I use. But, you know, there were a lot of questions surrounding that. And then I did a session on eliminating the performance appraisal. And the questions on that, of course, are very interesting. And what was even more interesting, because it is such an interesting mix of audience members, isn't it? You've got some professionals there and yep. you've just got generic small businesses there. It could be anything. Yes. And uh, only three people raised their hands when I asked how many of you do not do annual performance appraisals. So it seemed like the overwhelming majority did. And I know it's a very controversial topic to talk about getting rid of it. <laughs> well, well that, that it's, I think it's, it's a, it's an idea whose time has come and, and it's, it's in the news right now. We, we've had the accounting firm with Deloitte and Touche get rid of them last week or announced that they were getting rid of them. Yep. Uh, Accenture has Accenture. already gotten rid of them, right? And Microsoft has even come 
come off the fact that they're going to I think they still do performance reviews but they but they're not doing these uh you know basically rating everybody on a curve. Correct. In fact, that's in my stack of stuff, Ed, so I'll Oh, okay, I'll, good. I'll put that one off. But we also had some just really fascinating guests. I know we've only got a couple minutes here, but we had Peter Wolf on, of course, from Azamba, one of the sponsors here to the show, and I missed that cuz I was doing a session, but how'd that go with Peter cuz I yeah. find him to be just brilliant. He he is brilliant and and just and of course extraordinarily customer centric which makes complete sense since he sells almost well exclusively CRM software uh, so, so told some great stories uh, I know that you caught the that the the tail end of Christina Daves who right. uh, was in, invented this really cool stuff that the uh, uh, cast medic designs to go on the the boots the ugly boots that we all wear when we hurt our ankles <laughs> yep. you know, she, she's figured out a ma- way to make it make it cool. Um, and she was she was fun, and then and then you were there for Seth and Wendy, right? And Seth was great, the the dean of beans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and, uh, and of course, Wendy is just you know one of the pioneers. She's one of our trailblazer firm. She's fantastic. All right. Well, hey, tell me about John Babcock. I didn't get a chance to talk to him at all. Yeah, you were doing a session for that one. John Babcock was CFO of Satellite Industry, which is basically the uh, the potty industry, you know, portable sanitation. Yeah. And uh, very interesting guy. I mean, just, you know, in one of these niches that just absolutely fascinating, but definitely necessary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Construction sites and big outdoor events and things like that. and. He was just great because I, I actually asked him about Peter Drucker's, hey, the CFO is the person that knows the least. And he actually agreed with me and said, yeah, we see CFOs need to be more at the coal face, more operations based, and really know the story behind what produces the numbers rather than just focusing on the numbers. Yes. Follow that by John Field, who is a sage, sage partner who specializes in cemeteries and talk about like two divert, interesting specializations right there, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, John Field was just fantastic. And I know his whole, he, he, they just lived their purpose. Yes. It's all about the legacy and the history and family lineage and all of that. And I just, I just love talking to him. And of course, his wife wasn't there, but she's great too. But Ed, I guess we have to, we have to take a break. But folks, we'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself at TSOE at Verisage.com and check out our new website at uh, the soul of enterprise.com. And we know a lot of you still listen on demand. So we really appreciate it. If you could give us a rating on iTunes and now we want to hear from our sponsor leading results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. everybody it's free rider friday the uh, show every month that ron and i do in which we just kind of free ride over on stuff that's in the news and the big thing that's been been in the news for both of us this week because it's been a completely obsessing event or uh, all-consuming event i should say was sage summit 2015 and ron let's just finish up talking about some of the 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 other guests that we had on the show We, we we had um uh, Michael Adler from Adler's Jewelers, uh, Kenny Rubenstein, owner of uh, Rubenstein's, and then uh, Steve Cohen, the vice president and general counsel for James H. Cohen and Sons. Uh, all of these are were retail operations in in New Orleans that, and Sage customers that were affected by the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Katrina, and this being the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. They all got a chance to tell their stories, and man, what fascinating stories they were. Oh, they were, and 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 it was really interesting because some of these businesses go back to 1898, so we literally had practically 300 some odd years sitting in front of us of of retail experience in the New Orleans community. But yeah, Ru- Ruben, Ke- Kenny Rubenstein. I mean, I think Rubenstein's because they, they were the young end because they were only 91 years old. Yeah, only 91 <laughs> years old. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was interesting that, in fact, I think wasn't it his store that they were open like 51 days after Hurricane Katrina? And if you think about that, that's pretty amazing. Yep. Yeah, especially since you know so they lost so much of their their uh, they, yeah, inventory, and they were a clothing company, and you know, lots and lots of people needed also lost their clothing. So they they did a in yeoman's job to get back up and running to keep the city moving and keep people who had business meetings that they had to go to and didn't have clothes for anymore. Yeah, and I also found it interesting at the Michael Adler from Adler's Jewelry. You know, we talk, we're talking about the Apple Watch and the the high end Apple Watch, and and I, I like the analogy he drew to the swatches or the digital watch revolution of the eighties. And everybody yeah. thought that that would take out the upper end watch, but all it did is is it enhanced it. Mm-hmm. And he thinks the Apple Watch will probably do the same, and he's probably right. I agree. I agree with him there. So, so that was really good, and then. Uh, the next day or yesterday, I got to start because you were in your session. And so I got to start with Tom Hood, who, of course, is the executive director and CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs. And I, I just think one of the biggest visionaries in the accounting profession, bar none. Um, I just I just love Tom. He's just he's so on the cutting edge and he, he does so much for the profession and he was just a great interview and we talked about all sorts of things the uberization of uh, continuing professional education and 
the the issues facing the accounting profession and 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 how they're adapting to online education and those types of things. So we're definitely going to have him on the show, Ed. And oh I, yeah. I, I want to grill him for a good hour. (laughs) He's just like Rory Sutherland. He's just a font of ideas and wisdom, and he's doing some really innovative things. Yep. Yep. Cool stuff. Well, and then we had uh, Gaby. I already mentioned mentioned, uh, what she talked about, and she was a very engaging guest. So uh, that's another one maybe we put in the sage pile for for the next couple of uh, months to to bring her back. Yeah, Um, global executive of VP of marketing. That was was a very interesting conversation. Yep. And And Wayne uh, Schultz. Oh, Wayne. (laughs) <laughs> Wayne, all you got to do is, in, you, you quickly now know, no, Ron, right, that in the Sage community, pretty much you just got to say Wayne and Wayne. everybody know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a legend, isn't he? He is. <laughs> and then it was really fun to finish up with uh, Voice America's own founder, Jeff uh, Spinard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just great. And he kind of gave his background about how, how he got into this from regular terrestrial radio. And um, it, was, it was just great to hear that story. Agreed. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot, and meet all those guys, um, and just just uh, what a, we we I think we did. We had because there were other radio sh- uh, shows going there, and I won't name them. But right, we had the best setup. We totally yeah. had the best setup. <laughs> I think we definitely sounded sounded the best for sure, yeah. and, and yeah. had some of the more interesting guests. So yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> So, Ed, Free Rider Friday. I know it's uh, it's difficult to put uh, this past week behind us, but let's move on to Free Rider Friday. I'm going to let you fire first. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to make a, a segue here. Uh, and just jump jumping. So, you know, our friend Wendy, who just we just talked about. Right. I don't know if you followed along on, on Facebook today, but she was flying home, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she she lost her passport. Oh, yeah. She lost. Well, she couldn't. Well, I should say she couldn't find her passport because ultimately she did find it. Actually, the hotel found it. Okay. But unfortunately, she was already at the airport. Airport. So what'd she do? Did the hotel bring it to her? No. No. <laughs> she no. ordered an Uber, Uber for the passport. I love it. <laughs> and they got it to her. And Uber got her the passport. Phenomenal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And all right, so that's that's the segue. And I, I don't think there's been a free rider where we haven't talked at least a little bit about Uber. So wanted to to mention the the controversy in in New York City, which I know we've talked about in the past. But what we didn't talk about because they only did this in July. And I don't know if you saw this, but they they launched a De Blasio feature. Did you see this? No, I did not. But okay. I'm loving the sound of it already. So yeah, so the so the De Blasio feature of Uber in New York City allows you to you know select your traditional Uber X or Uber Black or whichever thing that you want. But then you can also slide it to the end where you get a De Blasio feature, which shows you what your weight would be if Uber weren't around. <laughs> <laughs> love it! I love it. <laughs> I'm now, glad to see. I'm glad to see Uber fighting back with and with humor. I, they need to stand up. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the good news is, is I guess uh, it, it it was enough. They they have New York City has reversed themselves at least temporarily and said that they need to study the issue more. Uh, so rather than just say that they're going to uh, uh, let Uber grow at at a whopping you know one percent a year. Uh, <laughs> 
shocked. Unbelievable. They, I know. They, 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 they're, they're backing off that claim right now. So I guess that right now the de Blasio feature is, is, is temporarily no more. Oh. Ah, okay. Well, you know, Uber's got such a strong following and the people are really loyal and they love it. And that's what's going to carry it through. I mean, I know there's going to be court battles and other mm-hmm. types of regulatory battles. But you know what? Ultimately, the people, the consumer will be sovereign in this and it will prevail. Yep. No, I I agree. And and what a great idea. They have. <laughs> what a just great idea. Yeah, and you know, it's not in my stack of stuff, Ed, and I, um, and I posted this on our Facebook page, and I don't remember all the details. It was a very short article, but it was talking about the Uberization of, of flights, and there are entrepreneurs working on it, and now what it's basically saying is they're, they're going to be chartered flights, so selling excess capacity kind of up until you know it departs so you can get on it really quick. It's going to be somewhat pricey, you know, mm-hmm. more than commercial travel, but I think, you know, once they work out the logistics and the capacity issues, we, we may be calling up Uber for, or an Uber type uh, service for flying to various well, right. places. And it was really cool. It's secondary airports. There's, you know, they're easy to get to, easy parking, and there's no uh, TSA. There's no yes. screening. Uh, you know, and how great would that be? And you, you might see an absolute expansion of private aircraft at that point. Because right now, what, and I think I remember seeing, you know, that that's what, 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 uh, and what was it? executive jet you know started the basically the time sharing thing yep. but you know they really put it you know this could put it over the edge over over the top right where good where 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 we could we could start to see i mean a real significant cut into into airlines and and you know what's really interesting about this is i'm very curious to see how the airlines respond to this because did you know that 51% of the air traffic now in the united states commercial is regional jets mm-hmm. so the airlines they know how to manage capacity yes you know? exactly and and they could they could actually kind of get in on this mm-hmm. and it be it's going to be really interesting to see if if these entrepreneurs really do do this um what the airlines reaction is going to be if they're going to go to the regulators and try and fight it that way or are they going to try and compete with them head to head did did I see was it in that article that that you posted, Ron, or another that, that where they tried to say, okay, where, where's where's the cutoff, the basic cutoff in this? And I think I read it said it's something like if you if you are in the air flying for more than about eight hundred hours a year, it's probably worth it for you to look into this kind of a scenario where you have a like you know Uber Air or whatever it is. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you take somebody like Dan, you know, who flies practically 200,000 miles a year, um, it would probably make a lot of sense to do it. It was weird. They didn't do it on miles. They did it on hours. On hours. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I, You know, and I guess there's all sorts of factors into this, too. You know, where do you live and what accessibility do you have to secondary, tertiary airports, things like that. But what a fascinating thing. I just, you know, I I have a feeling that whoever jumps into this first is going to lose some serious bucks. So I hope they're (laughs) (laughs) well-funded where we can really, you know, try out this experiment. And hopefully it'll it'll, uh, come to fruition one of these days. Yep. No, I agree. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, well, Ed, I, I don't have much time here before our next break, but I'm going to throw a quick one at you. This All is right, from great. Kevin Hassett, who is an economist with the American Enterprise Institute, somebody I, I really like. I really enjoy this, this fellow's work. He's a, he's a great economist. And 
he ran a calculation because, you know, all this debate about the minimum wage and some cities now are moving to a $15 minimum wage, yep. right? San Francisco, uh, Seattle. I know there's some others. I, Los Angeles, Bass I food, believe. New York. Bass, yep, yep. He said, okay. He says, let's talk about these greedy corporate profits. Let's take all corporate profits, all of them, 100%, and move it into wages. That would make a $7 wage go to about... 15. So it's about a it's about a $7.50 subsidy oh, you'd get. That's it. If you took all corporate profits and in and, and some years ed it would be around $3. Like if you go back to 2008 2009 at the depth of the recession. Mm-hmm. So the subsidy never gets higher than $8 an hour more than what people are making now if you confiscate 100% of all corporate profits. And by the way, technical technical issue but i think it's worth saying this is data on after-tax corporate profits <laughs> and and that's u.s u.s corporations correct correct okay. all right so yeah, no, i know what the argument would be you know the evil apple leaves its profits offshore ron it will if we can get that we can get it up to 20 dollars an hour ron <laughs> we'll yeah. go after those guys offshore. Yeah, let's not talk about why they're leaving their profits <laughs> offshore. The fact that we have the <laughs> highest know. corporate tax rate in the world. Let's not talk about the no, cause. No, no. Let's talk about yeah. It it does remind you though that just you know one bad government program leads to the need for another one. Yep. But I just thought you'd find that interesting that the maximum you're going to get out of this is about an eight dollar an hour subsidy if you took all corporate profits. Unbelievable. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, well, folks, we're up against our second break here. But uh, again, if you want to email Ed or I, suggest topics for future Free Rider Fridays or indeed any show, you can get us at TSOE at Verisage.com. And do check out the soul of Enterprise.com and, and possibly even our book on Amazon, uh, The Soul of Enterprise, which uh, is still getting some interesting reviews. And we sold a lot this, uh, this past weekend at Summit. I was excited about that, getting that out to people. And uh, now, folks, we want to hear from our sponsor, Peter Wolf, and his team at Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. Speaking of free riding, Ron, and staying with the tax theme. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So this, I forget where the, I have to, where's the original source on this? Oh, our, our, our friends at the Cato Institute. Yep. On one way that states could effectively end the federal income tax. Mm-hmm. Ready for this? You bet. Let, let's just take Texas as an example, my home state. What if Texas were to, uh, by the way, w- income taxes are technically against the state constitution here in Texas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we'd have to, which is good that we'd have to, have to amend the Texas right, constitution the, to change right. it. Yep. Now, what if Texas were to refund everyone's income tax? Whatever the they put, level. right, at the, at, the, at the federal level, they take the, the federal income tax and then, ju- and then refund it. And then just increase the state sales tax. So mm-hmm. what effectively we would have then is Texas would become a, a, a state that had just a pure consumption tax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it would reverse the effect. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting idea. I like that. Uh, if, if, you know, what's that chart? You've seen it. I know Cato might even produce it. Uh, several think tanks do about how much each state pays in federal income tax. Correct. They get back. Correct. And I don't know what side of the ledger Texas is on, if they're getting more back from the feds or paying more in. But we, if, we, we have bounced back and forth. And the last I saw, we're, we're, we're a little on the plus side right now. In other words, we get more from Washington than we give. Right. right. But. But that, but it, but we're, but we're not like New York and California where it's completely, <laughs> you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah, buck, buck and a half or yeah. whatever it is, buck thirty-seven. You know that the highest number is, but uh, that would be great. I, I just, you know, it's just one of those things that you just know politicians would never do because those, those taxes are so earmarked for different things and medic, you know, the Medicaid and all, you know, transportation and highway and all that. It's just. But boy, what a great what a great idea! Well, because again, here here's but but here's the thing, Ron is that it, it, this doesn't it, it, what I like about this idea is that it doesn't really change the 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 the, the tax collected, right? It's, mm-hmm, it's still going to be mm-hmm. the same because you're just refunding what you put on the return. Sure, sure, no, it's but revenue you, neutral. But what you're what you're going to do? You're, you're changing it from an income tax to a consumption tax, and there ain't nothing the federal government can do about it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see that flushed out. Is that is that flushed out in a Cato paper somewhere? Um, it, it, I think it's it was just their, their uh, story. I don't think that it is completely flushed out, but I'll I'll send you the details because I know that would be something you'd be interested in. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I I, I love it. I I love any idea where, where the states you know start to <laughs> try and change things, whether we're talking about an amendment convention or or whatever, because you know there's an enormous amount of constitutional power in the mm-hmm. states to change things. 
Right, right. And, and, and I, I should state, by, by the way, because I know that there's people who are not uh, as libertarian as me or as you on this who, who are thinking, well, this what you're doing is now you're transferring this over to the poor because the poor are going to pay more because they have to pay the sta- sales tax, etc. This proposal does come complete with some, uh, some uh, guaranteed minimum incomes from the state for the poor. Right, right. So, yeah. And, and there are ways to make that any type of consumption tax less regressive on the poor, you know, exempting certain categories of necessities Correct. and things like that, or give rebates or whatever. But I mean, it, it it increases the complexity and the admin cost of it. But there right. are there are mechanisms to do it. So well, and I had a I had a crazy idea too the other day along this line. I don't want to take too much time because I know you want to get to some other things. But th- is with with all all of the technology and big data today, one of the ways that we could you know that that if we you used to say well we weren't going to tax food. You know, but then there's worry. Well, and, and I know this is a this is a meme that wasn't true, but you know the, the people who are on on uh, uh, f- it's not called food stamps anymore. If it, if it was called, we're buying lobster. Wasn't right, right. true, right? right? Wasn't true. It turned out to be a big, big hoax. But you know, people are people who are concerned about that. But since we now have all of the the information from a caloric intake standpoint and all of this stuff that the government has, you know forced everyone to put on the packages. What if we were to say, hey, listen, the way that you pay tax on food is anything over a certain number of calories. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, okay, so we'll, uh, I'll, I'll default, I'll give everyone, every person in your house, 5,000 calories a day, mm-hmm. right? But if you buy more than 5,000 calories a day, now that food is taxed. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have an app on our watch to, to count it all, right? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if, if you really want to do all of your calories in Snickers bars, knock yourself out. Well, you know, Ed, I think Oregon uh, is moving to charging uh, by the mile. Um, so putting less dependence on the road, you know, the highway tax and, and, and the gasoline tax and, and charging people for mileage, of course, because, you know, all these Priuses and they get right. many more miles to the gallon. So the, the revenue from the gas tax is dropping. Yep. And so Oregon's installing those things, I think, in people's cars. I think they're the first state to do it. Yeah, no. And I actually favor that, by the way. I actually I like, do too. I like, if, I like the vehicle miles tax. I, I do, too. If you get rid of the gasoline tax at the pump. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, don't give me. Yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, go on, go on. I'm sorry. I, dra- I dragged that one out way too long. No, no, no. That was great. Thank you. I, I, and it, we'll be sure to post uh, whatever you have from Cato on that in, in the show notes. I'd, I'd be very curious to see that and hope they come out with a, a, a report on that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about, Ed, I think a couple a couple weeks ago, we mentioned that Accenture uh, has gotten rid or is getting rid of their annual performance rankings. And, uh, you know, they're, they're coming they have 330,000 people. <laughs> and they're going to get rid of what they estimate will be about 90% of what they've done in the past. And uh, the article that talked about this is um, from the Washington Post. And what I found really interesting, and I didn't know this, 6% of the Fortune 500 have already gotten rid of their rankings. Now, that doesn't yes. necessarily mean they got, got rid of the annual performance appraisal, but uh, you know, some of the other companies that have are, are companies like Adobe, Gap, Medtronic, and I uh, thought that was really interesting. The, the other thing the article pointed out was 95% of managers are dissatisfied with their company's per- annual performance. <laughs> no, really? It, it just, I'm it's, shocked. It, it's just amazing. And 
and and, uh, and and then Bain, they quote a Bain research study that says even employees who get positive reviews experience negative effects <laughs> <laughs> from the process. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, wow, just how much money they're spending on this. I mean, Deloitte spend it, they, they computed, they spent 2 million hours a year. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, now Deloitte's only 65,000, I think, people. Um, now, the Deloitte thing is interesting because we have a little bit more detail on what Deloitte's doing. Because they a, keep a timesheet, Ron. Well, well, well <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually, because they have a Harvard Business Review article oh, about <laughs> from the April 2015 issue. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty new. And folks, we're not going to be able to put this up because this is, of course, Harvard. So it's behind a paywall. But what they found was, um, you know, they're, they're, for their, and they do have 65,000 people, they, they have three objectives for the performance uh, review process. They, they actually asked Ed, why do we do this? They actually started with a why question. That's a pretty good thing because I would I would have thought that the answer would have been to improve performance. But what? Whatever. No, you know what? Some of the comments I'm getting on my most recent LinkedIn post on the Accenture move is, well, performance appraisal has never been about uh, increasing future performance. I'm like, really? Then what's it about? To record history? So so now we just have a bunch of historians and companies that would will just uh, you know have uh, have records of people's past performance. What good is that? It's unless called a KGB, actually. Yeah, try, unless you're trying to create a history department, what you know? What's the point of this? But there are three objectives where we want to recognize performance, see it, and fuel it. Okay. So, I mean, basically meaning improve it. But here's what they, they did. Now, there's a lot of detail in this Harvard Business Review article, and yeah. we're just not going to have time to go through it. But what I did want to get your reaction to or just discuss with you, because I think it's great, was they're going to ask team leaders not, about, not to assess the skills of each team member, but what their own future actions will be with respect to those team members. In other words, don't listen to people, what people say ask them what they would do with that yeah. team member. Now, I think this is kind of interesting. Um, th- there's four questions. Given what I know of this person's performance, would I award this person the highest possible comp increase? Mm, okay. The second question is, given what I know of this person's performance, I would always want him or her on my team. Okay. So, very like, you could, answer, yeah, you could answer yes to, or no to the first question, but yes to the second. Correct. Yeah, right. they're okay. trying to get more than just a one-dimensional rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third question is: This person is at risk for low performance, right? So you, obviously, they have sure. to identify, you know, right. issues. And the fourth is: This person is ready for promotion today. And that's it. Yes or no questions. No why or why not. Just four closed probe questions. Uh, well, they do. They do have strongly agree, strongly disagree, and they do have oh, okay, scale right. for some of this. So they are, you know, this is these are bean counters. I mean, yeah. after all, yeah. and they still got their timesheets because they they still even reference time in this article, which drives me crazy. But those are interesting. It is an interesting premise, isn't it? To ask it is you, not not Ed. What do you think of Baker's performance? But okay, Ed, what are you going to do with Baker in the future? Correct. Yeah, I like that. I do like that. And, you know, now I'm going to process this through a little bit. But, and this is what I love about Freerider, was, you know, thinking on the fly. My initial reaction is I'd like to just see them yes or no questions and then that's it. 
Right. And then just I, leave it there. And then maybe, you know, comments, right? That's it. But if they're going to expand it out and if they do do it like this range, I would hope that they would do a couple things. One, an even number of choices so that you can't just mid-grade everything. Yep. Right? Yep. And so that that I think would be important. And then the sec- second thing would be I, I would think that some kind of a composite would be in order in some way. But maybe that's just my real analytical side. Right, right. There is a little bit more fleshed out in the article, and I think if you read it, it'll give you a little bit more context. But the other thing they say that I found really interesting is they say, look, we have to recognize team leaders must exercise, and you're going to love this, subjective judgment. Oh, no, not that. uh, Unbelievable coming out of Harvard. And they also want team leaders to check in more frequently um, with the, the people they lead and they say this is not an addition to their work. This is their work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like wow. You mean they have to be effective managers or leaders, whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah. Uh, and and they re- they recognize that you know the more the more frequently these people talk, and they say radically frequently, radical radically frequent check ins are the team leaders' killer app. Now here's the issue I see with this in the in the context of Deloitte, not Accenture, but Deloitte. Mm-hmm. they're all billing hours. Yeah. So they're going to look at these frequent check-ins as distractions and as a quote-unquote non-billable, and they're not going to engage in them. Yep. So a, a pure case of one measurement destroying the effects of another one. Yeah. And yeah. I promise you the billable hour overpowers this one. Well, maybe it's an, uh, an, uh, an opportunity to open the door to, to kill the timesheet, too. We pray to the Lord. But, uh, hey, hey, Ron, we're back up on the on the last break here. And just want to remind everybody that you can get a hold of us at AskTSOE at Verisage.com for, if you want to send us emails. Also, uh, hashtag AskTSOE and then The Soul of Enterprise, the new relatively new website. We'd love to see your comments on that as well. But right now, we're going to go with our third break and my employer sage follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn four new employees a 20 percent increase in revenue being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The mountain is high. The valley is low. And you're 
Yeah, Welcome free back. Ride. I love it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Free Rider Friday. And uh, we're talking about a whole host of issues here from Uber to Accenture and Deloitte getting rid of their annual performance appraisals, which I just have to say, in closing on that, I'm just really excited to see some of these bigger firms finally, finally getting rid of this archaic practice that's over 100 years old. It just, it's way past its sell date. Yep, yep. And what's the Drucker quote we love? It, it, there's not a performance review system that has ever been created that has not done someone some emotional harm. Yep, absolutely. So it's just, uh, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on, uh, on these two firms and, and, and see how this unfolds. I'd love to see how it plays out yep. over time. Uh, so Ed, you're up. What do you got? All right. Uh, quickly, I want to try to get to two here, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one at you quick. You, you, you have some WD-40 in your garage, Ron? Sure. All right. Do you know that it's a private company? Yep. That, and, and you know what WD-40 stands for? Oh, uh, I used to. I yeah, don't. yeah, yeah. It, 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 that, I, when I read this article, I was like, "Yes, that, I remember here reading this brief." Water displacement fortieth formula. Okay, yeah. Right. Okay. Sort of the anti-corrosive and all of this stuff. So they have um, 101 employees in San Diego and 427 worldwide, but uh, the, and they only make their what they call secret sauce, which I love in in four different places. The the thing that struck me about reading this article was was this this quote from the CEO he was asked you were once quoted as saying well, when everyday folks are doing their job and making money for our shareholder uh, we we are everyday folks doing our job and making money for our shareholders what did you mean uh, and this is his was his response profit is the applause of doing good work and having engaged employees and that's what i'm most proud of beautiful i love it the applause for doing good work. Love yeah. it. I, I haven't heard. I, I've heard profit is an applause. Mm-hmm. Uh, certificates of performance or whatever. But uh, yeah, I like what he added there. That's that's brilliant. Yep. Yep. So I, I just and, wanted and, to know, get it, that it, out. Good stuff. It's, it's Sage Summit, I heard you uh, a couple different times say, you know, profit is an index of your altruism. And yeah. You can see people kind of, you know, looking at one another, going, "What? What did he say? He's, wait, he's, wait. Equa- he's equating this to habitat to humanity. What? What?" Uh, <laughs> oh, I, d- I didn't say it at the session, but we did have with habitat for humanity. I did, but the, the, which was was it was an interesting session to talk to those folks. So it was because it was corporate, kind of corporate social responsibility yeah. in that context. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you said you had another quick one, so I'll let, let's do another one for a minute. Oh, okay. Uh, so, the, have you heard about this company, Jet.com? No. Jet.com. Okay. And our friend uh, Rafi Muhammad writes about that. He's the the one one percent solution guy, yes. right? Right. Well, yep. So uh, he, uh, he this is a really interesting company. That, so their their plan is to compete with Costco, Amazon, Walmart, uh, and all this as the absolute low price leader. And here's how they plan to do this. I want to get your thought on this business model. They're going to charge 50 bucks a year. And then everything else that they buy and pass on, they're going to do at at zero profit. And that's what they guarantee you, that what they buy it for is what you buy it for. So they're only going to make money on memberships. Wow. Isn't that kind of the theory of Costco? No, because Costco Costco is also makes money on on product purchases too. 
Right, but, uh, but but I mean, it plays out. Don't they make a good chunk of their profit? They make a decent them? chunk, but yeah, this guy, these these guys are trying to go one step further, and of course, I guess through the wonder of the internet and connecting people together uh, via that way. Because, but I think this is really interesting. I I I gotta think I don't think this will leave this this will succeed because it, simply because you, you are potentially now creating the world war one of price wars yeah and 50 bucks i mean even you sign up everybody in the world um you know you, you, you practically yeah. have to i mean how many people would you need to even make a go of that right yeah I'm, i my gut reaction is yours this isn't gonna work but you know that that's the great thing about market tested supply and innovation isn't it yeah <laughs> we could be we this is what they said about the apple stores yeah he'll be yep. turning out the lights in a couple of years uh-huh right yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> of course i do anytime i see a low price uh business model you know I, I know the money's at the bottom i know you know there's a lot of more money serving the the price sensitive sensitive customers and the lower income customers but anytime i see that business model uh, i mm, i think it's tough it's tough tough it is tough it is tough and i guess they're going to do you know i guess their hedge is can they figure out a technology better than amazon really from right you know so well good good luck to them obviously but i i I do and i do think it's a pretty interesting model and uh, jet.com all right yeah have to check yeah. that out and last one for you real quick yeah. airline profits have soared to record heights and those mean yeah, those airline mean guys and you know the buzzword in the industry amongst the executives is discipline and the justice department of course as we know is starting to investigate these guys because after all their costs fuel costs right have dropped precipitously but fare rates have not dropped at the same rate as- assuming you know there's a one to one correlation there i just mm-hmm. love politicians you know yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. They say that you know the, the airlines have an oligopoly and they have few competitors. And I'm thinking, well, first off, that's nonsense if you don't think the airline uh, business is competitive. But second, if if the Justice Department or politicians are worried about it, then you know what? Open it up to foreign competition. Yeah. <laughs> Let foreign carriers come in here and do something else. Stop bailing them out when they fail. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they want to. Yeah, on the one hand, they they want to say there's not enough competition. On the other hand, they want to keep bailing them out when competition does kill one of them off. Yes, yes. Just, yeah, it just drives me crazy. But I think all, all of this is under the context of, and and again, you just have to hand it to them. They do a great job with pricing, so they're not destroying value in the industry, and they're not engaging in the price wars that they used to. And that's really what you're seeing here. They're they're getting they're getting smarter at pricing. I, I agree with you, Ron. In fact, we got this question from somebody yesterday at our book signing. Yes, and you know uh, you know how uh, how it is uh, that you you walk away and you say, oh, I wish I would have said this. He right. asks us, well, why do you guys keep talking about the airlines if their profits suck? Well, first off, not all their profits suck, but second off, the bottom line is the airlines couldn't exist unless they priced the way they do. They right. wouldn't exist. We wouldn't right. have them, or they'd be government run. Like Amtrak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, but I, I just thought that was really interesting about, uh, you know, they, they have just gotten very more sophisticated with their pricing. I agree. Well, hey, Ron, what do we got coming up next week now? Ed, we're going to do another segment on entrepreneur heaven. All and right. What's, what's interesting <clears throat> is 
I'm not sure the four people we're going to select, but <laughs> folks, there'll be four interesting ones because they have to be because Ed and I have to find them interesting. And hopefully if we find them interesting, you mystery will too. entrepreneur heaven, <laughs> even to the hosts of the show. <laughs> but I always like those shows because it's fun talking about uh, the wisdom from the past like that. So, well, I agree. And let me jump, just jump in here just before we do, do the close that if you've got an entrepreneur who is deceased, they have to be deceased that you'd like us to profile. Make sure you send it in to ask TSOE at VerisAge.com or just hashtag ask TSOE on Twitter. Excellent. See you in 167 hours, Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week, folks, on, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and we'll be doing Entrepreneur Heaven. In the meantime, check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com and also email Ed or myself at tsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a fantastic weekend. Thank you.